Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, and welcome back to Rubber Report Extra. The last time we did this was with the African Stanley chairman, which was a great chat, but in essence, we got absolutely pissed on a day later um, and the game got abandoned. But we have probably, probably our biggest game of the season coming up this Saturday, just in time for Christmas. We have the longest trek, or one of the longest treks. Um, we're playing Portsmouth, um, a team who've got a relatively similar recent history to us and are on a relatively similar path as us at the moment and have been top of the league for what seems like forever. So to speak about Portsmouth, to see what we've got to worry about, I've got Hugh from Pompey Now. How are you doing, Hugh? Are you well? Yeah, I'm very well. Thanks for having me. No, not a problem at all, my friend. We had a few mic issues before, didn't we? Because my, my laptop conked out recently. So all podcasts are via telephone, DIY or die, right? Yeah, that's it. You've got to make do what we've got, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Portsmouth, I think uh, it's been a while since you've played each other. But it is a team that I'm used to coming up against, which I haven't said too many times this season. No disrespect to the likes of Bristol Rovers and whatnot. But um, it's been a long journey for both of us, but an even longer one for you. What's happened since we last met? I mean, it's been a big, a big changes here, here at Portsmouth. Um, what's happened is obviously we've, everyone knows our story. The demise of the club. Um, you know, we shot down the league's administration, all kinds of problems. But you know, since then, a couple of years ago, the club have come and the fans bought the um, bought the club out uh, for about two and a half million, which was raised by the by the uh, by the fans themselves. So we obviously we cleared the debt there. Uh, we invested in the youth academy, so we came over and we we basically put two hundred and fifty thousand quid, which is crowdfunded, to buy a whole new academy, new pitches, and move everyone back onto the island of Portsmouth because. Before our training ground was basically outside Southampton and Eastleigh, which obviously isn't great for Portsmouth fans, should we say. So everything's been brought back in house. Um, the women's team's now been brought back in house again. And what the club's done is then we've pushed on. We sold the club from the from fan ownership in, into the hands of uh, Michael Eisner, who's you know our new chairman through. Um, and basically, he's he's kicked the club on really. Um, we've, we've all the replacement works, the stadium has been done, the foundations, of the club are now are now you know sorted, we're debt free, and uh, you know we're looking forward. So 
it's an exciting times in Portsmouth. I think all the fans are, are relieved, excited to be getting on board with the team who really now are looking to compete in the championship. Yeah, and I think, you know, most definitely, like I was saying before, I think it's it's been a really similar path, but it feels like Portsmouth have been on it for like considerably longer than we have. It seems like we've dropped and dropped again. Then we got bought out. But um, I, I dread to think what would have happened if Sunderland weren't bought out this summer. Because I think Stuart Donald and Jack Ross and Charlie Meffin as well have totally changed our fortunes. But if this was Ellis Short and it was, again, we had literally no money and we were in League One, I, I do kind of worry how that would go. And that happened to Portsmouth, didn't it? You basically yeah, had to League One with nothing like looking after you really at all. And how how was that? And and you're one of the only teams that have had it worse than us in the past few years. So how good does it feel to be where you're at now? I mean, it feels it feels great to where we are now. I mean, it, it was horrible. I think we went nine games, so uh, that scoring a goal at one point, and Jesus it was Christ. one of those, it was one of those times. It was just it was really painful to be a fan, but the fans really stuck by the team. Um, you know, you're another team with great support away and home at home, and I think that the loyalty that the fans have shown has really paid off. Really, um, being down in League Two is difficult. It's a hard league to get out of. It's it's physical. I mean, if you think the referee is bad in League One, then you know, <laughs> let's hope you don't go down to League Two ever because it's even <laughs> worse down there. Uh, I remember we played Newport and they were literally kicking our players over and, and pushing their faces into the into the, the pitch, face into the ground, and you know punching the players off the off the off the ball, and it was scrappy. But you know we had managed to get up under Paul Cook, and that was a, that was a great feeling to win the league, you know, even on the on the last day and. Now we now we pushed on. We've got Kenny Jacket, who I think you know he's got the pedigree as a manager to get us out of this division. He had a steady a steady uh, season last season, just missed the playoffs. But you know now we're just looking to. I think playoffs was the minimum expectation this season, and uh, we're, we're doing better than that even now. Yeah, and I think you know the, the you're the team that we've been looking at for a long, long time. Um, truth be told, if, if we finish runners-up and we both go up, I'm not going to be qualming too much, but you, you want to aim for the top, don't you? And I, you mentioned Kenny Jacket before. Now, he's got he's got history with Wolves. Um, another team who, very similar to, to ourselves, had a very similar path and are doing absolutely fab in the Premiership at the minute. But um, what's Kenny Jacket brought that's impressed you the most this season? What, what is it that's turned you from playoff contenders to league leaders since what September maybe yeah I mean yeah. well this this season he's been able to go out and have a whole summer of recruitment so he came in at the end of the season before so he didn't have that whole summer to put his ah, right, mark okay. on the team so he's had that whole a whole transfer window you know the board's backed him we haven't spent steady amounts of money either um, we've got a good scouting network we've managed to pick up players like Ronan Curtis for you know under a thousand about hundred thousand quid um, and he's looking like an absolute steal, which I'm sure we'll talk about players um, in a bit and how you know what kind of impact they've got. But talk going back to Kenny Jacket, his man management's fantastic, and he's so professional and organised. And I think he's got a system that, that the players have really bought into. And not only that, but he's got two players for each position. So if you know, we've actually been very lucky with injuries, but. If someone does go down, we've got someone to, to slot right in. You know, if you lose Jamal Lowe on the right, we've got players like Andre Green on loan from Aston Villa. Um, he's got he's managed to bring in Ben Thompson from Millwall and uh, he's looking absolutely fantastic in the middle. And using those links he's had before, I think, and just knowing what it takes to get out of this division. He's got quite a youthful side again, hasn't he? And I don't mean like a, a load of teenagers. It seems like 
Um, similar to what Jack Ross has done with us, he's brought in a lot of players around the 23, 24 age yeah. um, with something that's proven. Uh, and is it a much changed side from last season? Has he really stamped his mark with him? You mentioned he came in the back end of last season, uh, moving forward, obviously coming into this season. Has he changed very much or has he just tweaked it? We're playing the same system. We're playing with the Paul Cook, really. We're playing the same formation. So you can look at that and say, you know, are we are we different? Not really, but the way we're playing is different. And the team personnel is slightly different. Okay, so he's brought a new goalkeeper in with um, Craig McGilvery, picked up from a, a free transfer uh, from Shrewsbury. He looks absolutely solid. He's got 10 clean sheets this season. He looks like a revelation in goal. Um, the defence, he's brought in Lee Brown, some experience there from Bristol Rovers. You know, he's been there, done it. Um, and he, he, all the lads really look up to him and like him, you know, and he's, he's still under 30 and he's still looked at as one of the older guys in the team who the younger players look up to. Um, we've got Matt Clark, who's played over 100 games now for the club and he's been down with us in League Two and up again. Uh, Jack Watmore at centre-back, he's a youth academy prospect. So he's been around the team, but then you look at midfield and he's gone out and bought players. You know, he's got Tom Naylor in from Burton Albion, who... You know, was in the championship last season in the key positions, and him and Ben Thompson, I said on loan from Millwall, he they look like an absolute dynamic duo. And then we already had players like Jamal Lowe, who we just got out of non-league, picked up. You know, Vernon Curtis has come from Ireland; he's brought in. But then you still got the staple players there, like Gareth Evans, who's been at the club for years as well. The likes of Brett Pittman around the squad, and you know, Ollie Hawkins up front, he's he's another player we picked out of non-league. So he has brought in his own players, but at the same time, we've still got those core guys along that have got us up out of um, out of League Two. It's funny you mentioned Tom Naylor because um, I, I can't really say how I know this, but I know that he was quite close to joining Sunderland. Um, and that was before our takeover um, when Coleman was here. I believe that a, a deal was more or less in place. I don't know how far true that is, Um but I think when the new chairman came in, I think the the wages were more than we were prepared to pay. But he has done really well for Portsmouth and he definitely has championship quality, doesn't he? How how has he done? He's one of those players that does all the little things right. Yeah. He he plays in holding midfield. So we play four, two, three, one. He he's a player that he, he goes he gets up and down the pitch a lot. He, his positioning's very good. Um he's got that experienced head on him and he picks a pass well. But he's, he's more than just a combative midfielder and he's the kind of player that allows us to get our creative midfielders on the ball properly and play the ball forward. You know, we're, we're a difficult team to break down and he's one of the main reasons, I think, that, you know, we're so good defensively and, yeah, he's got that pedigree to play up the league, but he's he's a winner and I think, I know Burton Albion fans, I spoke to one of the guys from the Burton Mail when we signed him Yeah, um, and they were gutted to lose him. He's he's the heart of the team. So, He's one of the guys that all the young guys in the team look up to again. And yeah, he's been a fantastic signing. It's funny when you went through the team. It's uh, I was speaking to, I can't quite remember which team it was and, and which extra podcast I was doing in all honesty, but we were talking about, um, you know, Portsmouth and, and us being the two favourites for the league this season. And he, he mentioned a few things and he, he said, you know, when you look on paper, Sunderland have got the most notable, I think it was a Walsall podcast, actually, come to think of it. Mm-hmm. He said, if you look at your team, you've got the likes of McGeady, you've got Gucci, you've got Honeyman, um, you've got players that you instantly recognise. Uh, he says, whereas Portsmouth, to be fair, have more of a, like a unit and more of a team. Um, would you say that's a fair assessment? Um. In some ways, I'd say that 
we play as very much as a unit into the system. I, I would I would say that you guys have got some some you know some cracking players who obviously have yeah. a lot of talent. But if you look at the way that that Pompey play at the moment, I think that Ronan Curtis is you know he's a future star in the making. There, um, he just got his call up for for Ireland in November, playing against Denmark after coming over um, from Derry in the Northern Irish League. And you think him and Jamal Lowe definitely can make the step up. I think Matt Clark at centre back he's probably the best defender I could say in the championship. Uh, sorry, in in League One. Yeah, and yeah, very he's good. Got, he's got the ability to play up. You know, he can dribble the ball out of the back. He does everything right. And uh, he's still young as well. So I think Pompey got some star power as well. But I do think that our success is definitely through the system that Kenny Jacket plays, which is a bit a bit more conservative, I'd say, in some ways than maybe how you guys play. If mm-hmm. we're winning two now, he's not going to try and chase the four now. It's about closing that down, making sure we don't give the opportunities away. And then if we can hit on the break again, that's what we're doing. So how do you expect you're going to approach the Sunderland game? Because I assume in the same way that it's the biggest game for us this season, it's definitely the biggest game for you as well. Um, it's massive, you know, it's a massive, massive game. Um, and I think when you when I was looking at the fixtures for the past few weeks, when we've all been looking at Portsmouth away is really going to be the test because we've only lost once, you've only lost twice. Um, against you know yourselves was a very good Barnsley team at home. Which way did he approach that Barnsley game, and why? How do you think that'll have any effect on how he approaches the Sunderland game? Well, I mean, the last game we played Barnsley away, it was a one-all draw. Oh, was it away? Yeah, yeah, it was a one-all draw. I think you're thinking of the Charlton, Charlton game. I am thinking that. of Charlton. Yeah, that that game's a bit of an anomaly, to be honest. Um, the ref had an absolute shocker. Um, the ball was actually off the field for their second goal. <laughs> for about for about five, for about five <laughs> seconds as well, and you know, Brendan Curtis should play to the whistle as we all know, but he didn't because the ball was off. And yeah, um, we got Ben Thompson got sent off at the end, and we should have had a couple of penalties. One of their players handballed it off the line. It was one of those. It was one of those things. If you look at the XG one of, those days. of that game, actually, um, we had we had a two point three expected goals to Charlton's one point four. So it was it was one of those games in which. You know, we should have come away with the win, really, rather than losing it. So, I don't think Kenny Jacket would change it up. He's he's a conservative manager. He believes in the system he's playing, and we haven't had many injuries all season. And he's just been rolling out the same team. I, I, I expect him to approach it like he approaches any game. But it's the biggest game of the season so far for us, no doubt. And you know, all Pompey fans have been clamouring trying to get a ticket. To be honest, so that that Charlton game was. It's not because when I was looking at the past two games. I'm looking at Charlton beat you. I'm looking at Barnsley drew with you, and obviously we've we've just beaten Barnsley, um, yeah. which was a tougher game than it was on paper. We went three 0 up in like thirty minutes, but then Jesus, we we did a typical Sunderland and conceded two, and eventually got the fourth at the end. But I suppose when I was reading it on paper, I've I've seen you winning up just about every week, and when I, I realised the last game was a draw and the one before that was a defeat, I thought maybe there'd been a slight dip in form, but. That Charlton game more of an, an anomaly than more of a just one of those days. Yeah, it's a it's a complete anomaly. Like as I said, but I mean, but we got a few players that they, I mean, who was he got booked for um, Jamal Lowe? Oh yeah, yeah, for diving. I think in that game, um, which wasn't a dive, he got rugby tackled to the floor in the box, uh-huh. and it was just one of those games. You know when. I think the referee had to be escorted out by police security. Uh, it was, it, it was, it was, it was one of those games, really. And I think the stats show that, really. 
But Barnsley away, you know, they dominated that game. They should have they should have come away with a win. You know, they had a 2.2 xG compared to our 0.6. And they create a lot more chances, but you know we're fantastic away from home. We know how to to get a point when needs be. But I mean, Barnsley are undefeated at home all season, aren't they? Yeah. So it's a very tough place to go. So I think getting a point there is isn't a bad result, really. That's the kind of point you need come into the season. Not at all. And I think I've got to be honest again, going back to our game against Barnsley, uh, it was 4-2 on paper. We were 3-0 up in half an hour, but I think they were actually the best team we faced this season. If I'm totally honest with you, I think the big lad up front, uh, Kiefer Moore, I think he's, he, yeah. at, at this level, I think he's terrific. Um, he got two against you, didn't he? He did, yeah, yeah, yeah. he did. Um, and he, he absolutely tortured our centre-offs because our two centre-backs, if you play as Flanagan and uh, Baldwin, as good as they are, bringing the ball up from the back and as composed as they can be, they're very easily like muscled out of games sometimes. And I, I have worries about them. I don't know about anyone else, but, um, and, and Moore really, really like punished them for that. Um, you talked about a, a defender yourselves and we've spoke quite a few times in our WhatsApp group about how we need another centre off. And we always speak about um, Clark at, at Portsmouth or we've mentioned him, shall I say, um, and how unlikely we are to get him. But you mentioned you thought he was the best defender in the league. Um, I don't think it's a bad assessment at all. But going like towards your forward players, obviously based on what I've just said about our centre-halves, are you more of a team that will sort of rough our centre-halves up or are you more likely to try and play amongst them? I mean, we've got... How he plays, you've got the, the, the three attacking midfielders with Jamal Lowe on the right, Gareth Evans in the centre, and then you've got... And Ronan Curtis on the left, all of those guys are capable of scoring goals and they have done this season all across that that side. So um, I think you've got, um, I think Jamal leads with eight goals. I think Ronan's got seven and mm-hmm. Gareth's got seven as well. So it's quite evenly evenly split across um, split across the, those three guys. Now, Pretty good tally so far. Yeah, all of those run at you with pace. All of those will try and beat, beat your defenders. Um, they want to get on the ball they're not afraid to shoot or set each other up and play little crossfield balls to each other I think that up front though you've got Ollie Hawkins and he's a physical sort of attacker who, who can head the ball well um, he holds the ball up well and he tries to bring those three guys into play he's, yeah. not, he's not He's not looking to get on the shoulder of your centre-backs if that makes sense yeah, yeah. so so how we're going to play is get try and get the ball to those three guys behind who really cause the damage. And if Ollie's going to be scoring, it's generally going to be with his head. Well, he, ha- he has actually got a couple goals mixed up now with his feet. So I think you'll have to look look out for runners basically coming off Ollie Hawkins because we'll look for those three balls left, right, and Gareth Evans coming in the box late behind. And um, so that's how we're going to play. Your centre backs are going to have to be aware of people in behind them, and they're going to have to try and stop the service out wide to, the, to Jamal Lowe and Ronan Curtis in particular and on the flip side is there anyone that you worry about with Sunderland and yeah, why yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm a massive fan of Gooch I think he's a great player, great I, watched player. Him, I watched him against Warsaw and I thought he creates a lot doesn't he he, he, yeah. he sort of he drifts and I like, I like that he goes missing and um, you know the defenders seem to find it hard to pick him up he knows when to pick a pass doesn't he as well as when to shoot He's had a great season. He's really, really played well. Yeah, I think it's a, he often gets missed out, does Lyndon Gooch, when I ask that question to opposition fans. And I think the amount of goals he's scored and the amount of assists he's got already this season. Um, he's, and it's, just, it's his first real season of like playing every single week. He's been in and around the squad for the past few years. 
but he hasn't really played every single week like he has. And yeah, no, Gooch has been very good, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he's the he's the guy I picked up. I've, I've, do you know what, man? I've completely forgotten who's what's the name of your striker up front? Oh, Josh I mean, Major. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I've got a um, I've got a bit of a cool weapon about this with Major. I've seen a little bit of some Sunderland fans giving him a bit of, a bit of criticism for his all round play, yeah. whether he's an all round striker or not. Um, obviously he's got twelve goals, so yeah. and he's a very young young guy as well, isn't he? So he's a teenager, yeah. I don't. Do you feel that any of that criticism is fair? Um, oh, it's it's a it's a running joke with me uh, with Josh Madger. I said cause I, I understand the concerns. He's not very strong on the ball. Um, mm-hmm. He's quite easily pushed off, and and that can sometimes be quite frustrating. But his composure in front of goal, the one the one thing that he doesn't need to be taught is how to stick the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, you he can seem to score any direction he's facing. Apparently, so yeah. I mean, he, he, you can teach him strength. You can build him up. You can feed him a pie. As far as I'm concerned, um, <laughs> that that will come. But um, the the funny, th- I do understand the frustration because now and again, there's been times when I've been at the match and I've gone up. Oh, bloody hell like hold it up better you know or, mm. and I think there was one point this season where I was like oh match has been shite today and he went and scored two within like 10 minutes um, so it's a running joke with me in the, the stadium the, we're not winning the lad next to me goes tell Josh Madger he's shite again and I do and he tends to score so it's um, we haven't really had anyone like that although it's a very different level since you know Darren Bent Jermaine Defoe maybe um, yeah ex Pompey as well obviously Oh, I love Jermaine Defoe. Homan I could talk about for a long, long time. Um, absolutely love Jermaine Defoe. I remember when he, uh, it might have been the last time we played each other or one of the last times when he he scored a penalty in the last minute at the Stadium of Light. Do you remember that? I don't off the top of my head, I'm afraid, but oh. maybe I've wiped it from my memory. <laughs> we got beat 2-1, I think. It was when you had the crouch and Jermaine Defoe. When yeah. was the last time we played, actually? When was our last game? When did you go down? Last game, 2010, was it? So it would have been 1-1 one, one, yeah, Fratton yeah. Park and I think you scored in the 96th minute and the, the name of the striker completely evades me. Oh, completely right. evades me. I should have done some more research I'd know to tell you. But yeah, so no, should I. Jeez. Yeah. No, unfortunately I can't remember off my head. But no, I was going to tell you, so obviously you've got Madger up front. I think it's quite interesting just to understand for your listeners how Pompey play and the difference is Pompey. Yeah. Um, you look at the stats, we actually create the most uh, chances XG along with Barnsley and Luton in the league by a long way. But we're not scoring as many goals. In fact, I think you guys have scored a few more goals than us this season. Yeah. Whilst creating a lot less high danger scoring chances. Yeah, it's very and true. I, and a lot of that comes from the fact that our strikers and Brett Pittman's not playing well. Us are scoring, you know, 25 goals last season for us. So you've got Ollie Hawkins up front, but he's not a natural finisher. So all these chances are being created and he's got all the other attributes. He heads, he holds the ball up, he plays well, you know, his link-up plays great. So if you just mould our two strikers together, you've got a complete forward there, haven't you? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give someone a bit of strength and the, the striking power. Yeah, it would be all right. But, I mean, it, it feels like in this league, it's funny you said that about, obviously, your main strikers not scoring that much, but you mentioned like the, the three lads behind have got about six or seven each. But yeah. one thing I've kind of noticed in this division, and I, I mean, I don't know if it's an accurate thing to say because I've only been in League One once in my lifetime. This is, I'm learning as the weeks go by, but it seems like if you have a centre forward that can stick the ball in the back of the net, you're safe, aren't you? You are, I suppose. And I think... Pompey fans sort of do want to get another strike, but Brett Pittman last year pretty much scored the majority of all our goals. 
And so we've been injured him this year. And we and well, he's not played. He's not made. He's not made the team much. He's on the bench. Is there a reason for that? Is it just the system, or I think the system. I think he doesn't. I think before um, we know, he brought in Saber and Curtis and Jamal Lowe either side of him. He was used to players getting him the ball to score in mm-hmm. the box. If that makes sense. But now yeah. he's now he's um, has to play in a way that he's got to link up with those guys behind and set them up a bit as well. And it's not he's not natural to it. And he lacks a bit of pace, and he's holding up the ball isn't isn't as good as say Ollie Hawkins up front. So he's having to try to find a, a new way of playing within the system to be effective, um, and it, it hasn't quite worked out for him yet yet this season. I just remember, by the way, before I forget, it was mm-hmm. um, our last game. Um, the striker he scored, Aruna Dindan. Aruna Dindan. Funny you said that. I, there's a fantastic website if you don't if Sunderland fans don't know about it called thestatcat.co.uk and you can find anything sort of any game from our entire history and mo- most of the games have the entire lineup um, and I thought I'll see if I can find it just while we're chatting I'm just looking through the teams and Portsmouth's team is in the nicest possible way full of absolute banter um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a shocking team David James in goal, <laughs> um, Tal Ben Haim and Mark Wilson at centre half. Our yeah. friend Mark Wilson, good God. Yeah. Um, the substitute bench is brilliant. You've got Carnu, Danny yeah. Weber, Hayden Muller, <laughs> Jamie Ashdown, Nadia Belhaj, Richard yeah. Hughes, Quincy Owusu Adebi, and then your defence. Wow. Um, Ricardo Rocha, who got sent off in the ninth minute. We had two players sent off that night, Lee Catamore and David Myler. That was right. That's yeah. why you guys, it was at the 96th minute. Yeah, Whereas our team, geez, Sana, Malbron, Catamore, Jones, Bent, Reed. How things change. Any team with um, Ben Haim and this playing defence for us is just shows you know how bad we were at that time and how strapped for cash we were. So you know that's we might as well just gone out to the pub and recruited a couple of people to play at the back. To be honest, because. We were shocking that season. Absolutely oh, shocking. Tal Ben Haim, we we had him as well, and he was he was a bizarre signing. And then you look through his career, and he he played for City, like the new look City, yeah. and he played for Mourinho's Chelsea. Like, what the fuck happened there? <laughs> like, he's, he's basically got a really good agent, isn't he? Like, he's got, got the great. Yeah, same agent Rob Green's got. He's got a, he's got him that move to Chelsea. Like how do you, how do you manage that? Like I mean, you've got like um, Mark Wilson there as well. Now he's he's recent for us, but I remember yeah. that season you were so strapped for cash. Steve Bruce wanted to sign Mark Wilson, I think, for four million after the transfer deadline window to help you out. Do you remember that at all? I don't remember it, but to be honest, there was so much transfer speculation around the club all the time. Yeah. It, was a, it was a fire sale, and but also it was it was so crooked. Like you know, you had we had Redknapp before, who was you know absolutely rinsing the team. So you know, you had Nico Cranchar, who was we had a thirteen million pound bid from Monaco. Yeah, uh, he turned that bid down, and then he accepted a bid from Tottenham later on for less than two million, um, and cycled some of the money off into his bank account. So <laughs> the only reason he Good got old away Harry. with that, I oh, know the only reason he got away with that in court was he said he couldn't read, which is absolutely <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. Uh, that's his defence. Could be so true. Think. Right, <laughs> well, I've I've seen him on the bench personally, mate. Reading, so I mean, <laughs> rubbish. <laughs> Premier League manager, he can't read. Well, he can if he can. Can he spell Cranshaw? That's a good question. It's a, I, I don't know if it's it what K R A N C J A R. Could I be right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. He brought him everywhere, though, didn't he? he brought Cranshaw everywhere. He still yeah. does. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I reckon he's got some sort of deal going on with him as well. What I think another good one was Begovic. You asked me Begovic. Oh, good he God! Sold, yeah, he sold into Stoke, right? Yeah, okay. But somehow during this transfer, we gave ownership of into Tottenham for no reason. They passed him on. We owed Tottenham two million from it. Like, they didn't. Like, absolutely ridiculous. Obviously, siphoning more money off, but. How you can sell a player to Stoke and then actually owe Tottenham two million pounds? <laughs> it it certainly feels like the kind of last year was our banter year, I suppose. Um, it felt like that was your banter year as well, and you've got to look back and laugh at it, though, don't you? Oh, you do now, and I think the fans now that's that's a completely different time now, and I think also we didn't build the club in a sustainable way like we have now you know we've yeah. got the youth academy we've got some good young players coming into the team you can see that with um, the likes of Watmore playing playing at centre back and, and Adam Webster who's gone on now to play at Bristol City and played at Ipswich and obviously you know, Matt Clark's come as a young player he's not from the academy but a young player through and, and developed well with us so you've got to think that we're doing it the right way now you know debt free proper academy team and um yeah, it's, it's it's looking a lot better than it was even really in the Premier League. It's funny you, you should say that because the thing is, I remember when we had all these like narrow escapes in the Premier League and, and you'd have someone who would say, maybe we need to go down and rebuild. And obviously we went down, we went down again. But I think the way that things have happened in our new ownership and the way the club feels at the moment and the way it's been built and the way it's been managed correctly right from the top, there is something to be said about like eventually hitting that rock bottom, isn't it? And like rebuilding is actually better for the club. It, it's not a myth, is it? It doesn't feel like it is to me. No, I mean, we, just, we sort of burn it all down, didn't we? Apart from anything that stands yeah. the stadium, really. Yeah. And that's, that's shocking that it still managed to stay up. But no, we've, we've made some good improvements to that. But you have to tear it all down, really, in some ways. And once you once it's all being torn down like it was, then especially, I mean, I, I don't know much about your ownership, really, who've, who've bought into the club. But I think with us, because it, it was a fan ownership, we, we did it the right way, really. I think, um, obviously, we... We have Stuart Donald and Charlie Methven who have bought the club and, and Juan Satori um, on the on the board as well. But I think the best thing about them is they may not be fan owned. It's not it's not like that. They've came from Eastleigh, funnily enough, but they definitely get the community element of it. I mean, I, I can only speak from a you know, my own perspective and say that has been brilliant how amazing they've been with us. Like within weeks of them taking over, you know, we had someone from Sunderland, uh, Oscar from from the, uh, the who writes the program does for social media contacted us to ask if we could put the player interviews into the program because he wanted it to be more the, the club wanted it to be more fan based. Um, yeah, and you've got sort of Wiseman Sago on that as well, which is another obviously a great podcast. You've got um, you've got Salute Sunlanders in there as well, which always does some really great pieces. Um, and it's really good. You, like I'm, I'm super proud when I read the program and I see that, and it feels like my own club again. So in a sense, although it's not fan owned, they definitely have put it back into the fans. And I think there's so much to be said for like making a football club like a community. I think you know I, I would bang that drum forevermore, especially a club like Sunderland, um, and especially a club like Portsmouth. Um, obviously, opposite ends of the country, but very much working class people. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we're one of those teams that, you know, we're obviously similar enough that we're a one-city football team and everyone in Portsmouth is pretty much a Portsmouth fan. You don't walk around and see people strolling around in Man United jerseys or, or whatever, you know, the whole Thank city. Thank God, is. eh? So, yeah, <laughs> uh, it would be jarring to hear that. But uh, I remember we played Man United, funnily enough, in the um, 
Community Shield back in the day and all the Portsmouth fans are chanting wave goodbye at Guildford to them all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's great. And I think that being involved in Pompey in the community, I know we've won Community Club of the Year a couple of years running and stuff. Um, and I think that you guys deserve to have that input. You know, you're a passionate team and the fans need to have, they need to understand what's going on as well, don't you? You know what I mean? You need involvement so that you know it's not going to happen again with what's going on. No, 100%. And I think, like I was saying before, the last guest we had on the Extra Pod, the last guest that I had on um, was Andy Holt, who was the chairman of Accrington Stanley. And I think it was absolutely mad for me that I could just ring the chairman of Accrington Stanley and have a conversation with him about the match on Saturday. And I think at the same time, halfway through, I kind of forgot that he was the chairman. I, I totally, it, it, my mind went, it went totally over my head. And the same thing has happened with uh, Connor, who's done our podcast this season with with our chairman since he's come in, including the first day he came in. After a while, you realise you are just speaking to someone who wants to do the club well. And I think there's so much more about that to be said than a, a, an owner who just not so much doesn't care, but doesn't communicate. Like, I'm not saying go on Twitter and be, you know, as open as you possibly can be. Keep some stuff to yourself, that's fine. But let the fans know where the club's going and the fans will tend to go with you. Or if you make that mistake, at least they know what you're trying to do. No, I agree. And I think we do a similar thing with our, our you know, our CEO, um, Mark Catalan, does a, he does a fan sort of Q&A. People send him in stuff. And he, he reads all the questions out on video and explains his decisions and choices and updates the fans on what's going on. So everyone's got that involvement in the team and got that transparency as well. I think that that's a really useful thing because any of those questions that can eat away at fans that they're answered and asked, you know, out in the public in the open. And I think little things like that can make a big difference, don't they? A huge difference, yeah. I mean, there's a one of our um, shareholders, uh, Juan Satori, is uh, he wants to go and be the president of Uruguay, and obviously everyone's like, "Oh, does that mean he's not going to invest anymore?" And within like hours, he was straight on the Twitter our chairman and was like, "Nope, he's still fully committed. It's absolutely fine." And all of a sudden, that worry's gone. You can be in charge of Uruguay and Sunderland, apparently. Then I like that. I think it's I think it's fabulous. I think it's great. Eddie, imagine that being in charge of both. I know which yeah. one I choose, mind. Yeah, you, 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 might, I don't know, you, might, you might be able to uh, get a couple of their players over, you know? Maybe well, a cheeky chat with a few players, you know? I believe Suarez that's the idea. Maybe. Anyone but Sebastian Quartes, and I think we're all right. No offence, Sebastian, mate. Yeah, um, <laughs> so, moving forward to predictions, we've got to go with the predictions. And I think I'm I'm not nervous about Saturday because I'm not nervous about the football anymore. I'm actually enjoying it. But I think... Um, Obviously, I'm expecting a challenge on Saturday. I'm hoping it's a challenge we can overcome because I think if we win this one with our two games in hand, I would like to think we could overtake you in the next few weeks but lose it. And it's it's not great. But there's got to be a point at some point when we do lose again. Uh, but what? how do you see Saturday going? Um, it's, it's a bit of a coin flip, isn't it, I think? But two very good yeah. sides going head-to-head. I expect it to be, to be noisy at the ground. I expect you guys make a lot of noise as well. Do you know how many fans you bring in? We've sold out as far as I'm aware. Yeah. We're, we're closer thereabouts. I'm, I'm imagining what about two thousand, two and a half thousand, yeah, two and a half thousand. I think, but I'm not, yeah. I'm not certain. But I would imagine so. Yeah, so I imagine it'd be quite a, a good atmosphere at the ground. Yeah, which definitely. Is a part, but I'm going to go with two one Pompey. I mean, it's a coin flip. I'm going to, I'm going to bet on the lads. I think that. Do you want me to go for goal scorers, or do you want me to? Yeah, go on. Why not? Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to go two one Portsmouth. I think that. 
in these sort of big occasions, I think we're going to get Ronan Curtis is going to score the first goal for us. Um, and I think you know the second goal will come late. So I think you'll you'll grab an equaliser. I'm going to pick Gooch up to get the goal. I think he's a smart player and the kind of player he could get a goal against us. I think I'm not sure what I can say. Yeah, so I think we'll go with Jamal Lowe to get the winner. He scores big goals at home, and I think that that will go the two attacking midfielders to get the result for us. Before I give you my prediction, would you take the draw if it was offered to you today? Is, my feeling is I want to win a draw is okay mm-hmm. and a loss is, is is terrible really for us so yeah will I take the draw no I want, I want to win but you know if we get a draw that's okay you know it's not it's not a bad result at all but you know we can see you coming up behind us and you've got a couple of games in hand it'd be it'd be especially after not beating Barnsley and losing to Charles so I think we, we want to win really I'm going to go two each 2-2 two, two. I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be a good game. I'm not overly confident that we'll win. I don't know why. Um, but I'll take 2-2. Two, two. I'll take McGeady to get both. Because <laughs> he's on fire at the minute. He's on fire at the minute. Um, but I'm hoping for a win. But I'll take the draw. Fabulous. Well, do you know what? If it was at your place, I'd definitely take a draw as well. So yeah. I just want to beat you at Fratton Park. If we get a draw, we've got the two games in hand then we can overtake you if we win them too when we play them. Um, but I don't know. But I'll, like I say, I'll take the draw and I expect the draw, I think. But uh, mate, thanks for coming on. Um, I hope you have a hope you have a horrible Saturday. Um, <laughs> I, I always give you that. I always have yeah, to do yeah. that. I wish you the same other way around. Honestly, it's the best, you know. Um, but good luck for the rest of the season. And I think... Um, and I don't want to sound cheesy or, or ask kissy or anything like that, but I think when it comes to Portsmouth and Sunderland and teams like probably Wolves as well, because we know what we've been through, I think each club likes to see each other do well. I've got no gripes with Portsmouth being top, apart from the fact that it's not us. If you were second, no problem with that. Um, I think when you're a fan of a football club and you see basically the heart ripped out of it, um, as you probably have seen with us and we've seen with you and as I said Wolves before I think Leicester went through it a few years ago there's something there's kind of an affinity there isn't there so um, I do genuinely wish you luck for the rest of the season as long as it doesn't fuck our success up yeah <laughs> I think we feel the same um, I think I was going to just before you go actually I was going to ask you yep. a question one of our, our listeners on our podcast uh, the PA forecast the podcast we're pumping news now he actually asked me to say will you be wearing that horrendous red and white striped shirt um, or will you be wearing your away kit? It will be the red and white, I would imagine, but it'll not yeah. be the. It it would be yeah, it should be. Um, because you're going to get a lot of abuse wearing that shirt kit down in because of the Southampton. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just sort of give you a heads up on that. It's not going to be that well <laughs> the home fans, and you come out wearing that shirt. So yeah, all right. I'll let the guys know on our podcast. John, about to <laughs> All right. Spot on, my man. Thanks so much Thank for coming you. on, and good luck for this evening after Saturday. All right. And you guys. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Bye. Cheers to you. Bye. So that is the end of the Portsmouth Extra Pod. Um, bit difficult doing it on the phone. Not gonna lie, I definitely need to get my laptop fixed when uh when Santa Claus has came and gone. Um, I don't think I'll speak to you before Christmas. Um, so Merry Christmas from me. I hope it's a really really good one. Hope it's a one that's celebrated with three points. Um, or even a point. Like I say, I'll take the draw on Saturday. I'm not not too fussed about that. Um, but do have a great Christmas. Thanks so much for 
for listening to the the podcast today that I'm recording today it's Wednesday it was the day that the Philip Barsley podcast went out and it's been really really nice to see people really enjoying that I really enjoyed doing it too um I always enjoy doing this you know I get to speak about the match and I'm a huge Sunderland fan it's brilliant um it's the same for all the lads at Robert Report and across you know multiple different channels that Sunderland fans um are offering right now um so have a great christmas it's really really nice to be ending 2018 in such a positive space for someone as a football club um i hope you your family and your loved ones are really well and i hope you have a really cracking new year if i don't speak to you beforehand uh thanks for checking in again as always my name's graham it's been a local report extra podcast Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.